Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners? Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we are hanging out with Charlie Paulson. He is the CEO and brand architect of Americano, a brand design studio. And Charlie has worked um, with many, many big brands, including uh, Adidas, Johnny Walker, Nike, Google, Apple. And during a tour of duty through some of the biggest advertising agencies in New York City, Charlie happened upon a niche of designing pitches for the likes of Ogilvy and Mather, Johannes Leonardo, and Major League Soccer, to name a few, helping them win a collective total of nine figures in new business. Charlie now helps other agencies design pitches based on the psychological characteristics and delight uh, and to delight their audience with unique and thoughtful presentations, presentation day theatrics. Uh, Charlie, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Brent. So we'll talk a little bit about some of the stuff that you've done regarding branding and design and how that's helped other agencies uh, here in a little bit. But uh, tell me a little bit about Americano. You, you've got a branding agency today. Uh, what, what, what does that look like? What kind of work do you guys do? Yeah, so um, Americano is uh, traditionally a brand design studio. However, more often than not, we end up being uh, somewhat like a design plugin for agencies. Um, so I have a background in graphic design, um, but also have always had a very uh, entrepreneurial spirit um, ever since I was seven. I wrote my first contract. So it kind of made sense for me to take what I was good at, which was design, and use what I had always done when I was younger and form a business out of it. So you, you know, essentially good at design, have some entrepreneurial leanings, therefore... Americano. You started an agency, wanted to do this for the people, uh, have this kind of as, as, as your own business. What are, what are the types of clients that you mentioned you work with agencies you, as, as kind of their design arm or their brand arm? Uh, what are uh, some of the other things that you do for, for your clients? Like who, who's a typical client for you these days? Yeah, so we have, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting because it, it never really ended up being um, like a particular industry um, that we work with, although there are quite a few like repeats. Um, like we do a lot of work for liquor brands, but I would say the common thread between all of our clients are they're all a bit of unicorns. Um, so meaning that they work or they're part of an industry where it's, it's old and it's been working in old ways and they kind of come in and just like shake things up. So we usually do branding for unicorns is what I like to say. Um, so like they'll, they'll come to us and they'll be like, Hey, like we have an idea or Hey, like we've been using the same branding for a really long time. Um, and we need something new. Then they come to us. Um, and we create, um, not just a logo and not just, you know, some fonts and colors and call it a day, but we, we do more of like a, a brand identity system and we use a very like humanistic process. So I realized it was a process that I was using in my head naturally. Um, and then I, when I started Americano, I used it as like a formal system, but essentially we take a unicorn brand in and think of them as um, a human and take them through a sensory process of like, you know, if this brand was a human, like what would they smell like? What would they look like? What would be some of the things that they eat? And like, what would a playlist that they put together sound like? Um, and then using that, we use that to create really unique brands that are true to form. So can you give me an example, maybe even using your own brand of, you know, what, what, a entree is for the brand and, or a playlist? 
Yeah. So actually one of my favorites is uh, Gradient Metrics. They came to us, uh, they're a team of data scientists. Um, and basically what they would do is kind of like the, the more analytical end of helping bigger companies make calculated decisions. Um, so like whether or not a product was profitable um, and like, should they kill this product or launch this new one? But a lot of other you know, data science firms looked the same um, and it was very corporate and cold. But they came to me and they said, we want to look like IBM in the 1980s if IBM in the 1980s was cool. <laughs> like, was, I was going to say, was IBM in the 1980s cool? I don't, I don't think uh, it... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I wasn't there, so I... <laughs> I think it's the <laughs> antithesis of cool. But I like, to, I like what they're saying is if it was cool, right? Like that right. they're, you know, maybe that the, the big blue logo or whatever... Right, exactly. And it was at a time to like right before all of like the Stranger Things started coming out and before, you know, a lot of this like nostalgic uh, like wave of entertainment started happening. But I guess, you know, if you were to look at gradient metrics and like think of a playlist, like you could probably, you know, watch something like Stranger Things and that kind of playlist would be very true to gradient. Mm. So that's, so that's, that's cool. So that you, you know, you'd go into a company, these guys, you know, and so, you know, you, you would create a, a playlist and even like talk about what their brand would eat. And then how does that, inf- like, how does it help a company make decisions around, you know, design or around brand? If I know like what their entree is, or I know that they would be listening to the stranger things playlist. Well, uh, the way I look at it is, you know, humans are more able to connect with other humans when they share characteristics. Um, so like, for example, I'm from Iowa originally. And so whenever I'm in literally any other state other than Iowa, um, and I find someone else who's also from Iowa, like I automatically feel a connection to them. So I think a lot of the old school of thought around branding was that, oh, like a logo must be like within a square ratio or if I'm a restaurant that I must be using like red and orange because that like makes people more hungry or something, you know? So I think a lot of these ideas around um, like traditional rules around branding are more so out the door and the value in branding is more in the realm of like making a brand and a company more relatable to other humans by acting as a human as well. That's cool. I like that. So you, uh, you have gotten into this interesting niche, kind of a niche within a niche within a niche of helping agencies with their pitch decks uh, or and kind of how they present to potential prospects and clients. And I want to understand that a little bit better. I think our listeners are going to get a lot of value out of this. Uh, but before we get into kind of specifics around that, can you, can you tell me a little bit about how you came to do that as a service, you know, was it something that just kind of popped in your head or was it something that you had to do for yourself and therefore you started doing for others? Why did this idea ever come into your realm of, of skill set? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a very funny story, actually. Um, I actually did not plan on doing this at all. Um, I never even imagined myself doing this like in the slightest, but when I graduated college, I moved away from Iowa and I moved to New York city with no job, like no place to live and like $800 to my name. And I started working with creative recruiters initially, um, and eventually got into Ogilvy and Mather, um, which is one of the biggest ad agencies in the world. And they were looking for help, uh, in their new business development department with presentation design. And I was like, wait a second, presentation design, like as in like PowerPoint and like keynote. And like, I, (laughs) 
<laughs> could just feel like my old self in college, like, you know, spending all the time to learn like InDesign and like <laughs> Photoshop and Adobe suite and all that, like all those complicated, like shortcuts that like is in the muscle memory in my hands, just like rolling over and being like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe I went to college just to do PowerPoint presentations. <laughs> but while I was doing that, you know, two things really popped up that were, I was like, Oh, okay, this is actually really important. One while I was sitting in the boardrooms, um, you know, and listening to like all of their like global CEOs and um, executives, like making these business decisions, um, not only was I learning like some business chops along the way, but I was learning that. And I started noticing patterns that they were changing the way that they were conveying the information in order to effectively communicate that with their potential client. So I started noticing like design moves that were more effective for like right brain clients and they would be for left brain clients. Um, so I started to kind of like categorize those in my head and eventually came into, you know, having like a, if this, then that approach to presentation design. But yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of how that started. Um, and then of course, you know, the ad agency world is very much so word of mouth. Um, and I would say almost 90% of the work that we get still today is uh, through word of mouth. But that's kind of how we got into it. It just kind of started and it, it never stopped. There aren't a whole lot of really like good designers out there that are like, I am going to specifically do presentation design and I'm only going to do it in like PowerPoint or Keynote. So probably a little bit of supply and demand took uh, effect into that, why that was successful. Um, but also, you know, not everybody knows Adobe Suite programs. Like, not everybody knows how to use InDesign, and in fact, it looks really daunting to them. Um, so, one of the things that I have carried over into the branding side of Americano as well is that if we create these great designs, like, and our clients can't use them, then they're just that. They're just something pretty to look at. So, putting designs into Keynote and PowerPoint makes it so that you can create something great, but also it's accessible for the client to use. Hey, agency owners, are you currently building, managing, or optimizing WordPress websites and struggling to keep up or becoming the bottleneck? I'm excited to announce Unlimited WP, a white-label team that can help you do more with less. Whether you're building a WordPress website, doing updates, or maintenance and backups, you can assign all those tasks and more to Unlimited WP so you can free your time, make more money, and focus on what's most important. Get 25% off your first month by using the code DAS2020 at unlimitedwp.com to start today. Now let's get back to our interview. I want to jump back a little bit to some things that you said, which was that, you know, if you have a left brain client or a right brain client, that these CEOs and these, you know, these, uh, these, these pitch people at these higher level agencies were making different decisions in terms of how they communicated. What, what do you mean if a client or if a brand or a company is more left brain than, than right brain? Um, is it just that, that, I mean, cause I imagine some of these big companies, like, you know, I mentioned earlier that you had worked on accounts like Nike or Google or Apple or Johnny Walker. I, I imagine it's not just one person in the room that you're, you're pitching the business to, but there's maybe people or a team of decision makers. Um, how do you know whether your client is left or right brain? And then I want to talk a little bit more about what types of things would you do differently uh, in, in those pitches that would appeal to those, those kind of personalities? Totally. So I would say it's, it's more about like gauging the room of like, are 
is this brand more catered toward left brain thinkers or more towards right brain thinkers? So like, if you were to, you know, like I was thinking, uh, what's a really analytical company? Like if you were to be pitching to IBM versus pitching to, let's say Nike, like Nike is going to be very right brain and like more creative thinking. And not to say that every person in the room would be right brain oriented, but generally speaking as a team, um, they're more familiar with like the creative side of their, their brand. Whereas like, if you're looking at IBM, um, although they have like upped their creative, like substantially in the last uh, couple of years, you could argue and say that IBM is more of a, a left brain company and like more analytical thinking. So it's more so just kind of thinking about and like getting a, a feel for the room of like, what is the brand? Is they more, are they more left brain or right brain? And who are the people in the room? Like, are they more of, you know, are they a creative director that's going to be in the room or is it more of like, uh, you're presenting something to like the CFO or something where they're a little more analytical thinking. So in terms of like, then what are some of these things? So they're analytical or they're more creative, right? And it's not, it's not really like, I mean, it's probably this gray scale, right? This spectrum of, you know, uh, you know, almost the, the example I would even think about too. I mean, like Apple and Microsoft during like the nineties, right. Or, or whatever. Right. I mean, they're both right. One's, one's kind of the creative and one's like business, right? Like it just straight up right. is like, this is for creators. This is for business. Right. Um, but let's say you are, I mean, you're in that situation where you can identify that, that one, that your client leans one way or the other. I mean, how does that impact what you're presenting to them is just as simple as saying in what, you know, if we're going to present to a right brain company, we're going to present more creative and concepts and ideas and the left brain company. We're going to, we're going to talk more about the the numbers and the ROI and the impact and the, the spreadsheets. A little bit. So the content that you're presenting can always be presented in a number of ways, right? So if you are presenting creative ideas to a right brain audience, then obviously like things like really high resolution imagery or like really high quality, like photography shots, like are going to be more effective than if you were to have, you know, a, a slide of text that like explains the idea in like paragraph form. Whereas like, you know, if obviously like images work best for anyone, um, that's why we have like stop signs instead of like signs with like long blocks of text telling you that, you know, you're going to want to start to like slowly press on the brakes and like come to a complete stop because there's an intersection coming up. But things that are like more uh, flexible and how you present it. So one of the things that I advocate against the most are bullet points. And that's for either left or right brain. And the thing is, um, there's been research done where it says that our brains just don't process information in bullet format. Um, and also that our brains don't process information in more than one mode at a time. So if you have, um, like, let's say you're in the room presenting and you have a list of bullet points and you're trying to talk through the bullet points, the person who is consuming the information isn't going to be able to process that information by listening to it and reading it at the same time. So you would be better off having, let's say, a giant full screen image while talking through a specific idea um, and then do a giant image for each hypothetical bullet point. That way they can pair a visual and an idea to something they're more likely to remember that. 
I have this sneaking suspicion that a bunch of listeners that maybe have pitch decks or solution presentations are now going, oh no, I have all these bullets. What have I done? So you... In, in this way, so, so I mean that's a huge that's a that's a that's a gold nugget right there. That if you're if you're selling to a document that has bullet points and you're I mean for for a couple of reasons. One is if you're trying to talk through bullet points and and also have your client or audience have an expectation of them reading at the same time. I mean you'd almost be a better off like showing the bullets, giving people a minute to like read what's on the screen and then talking through it. But I, I love your suggestion better, which is just replace the bullets with a visual that they can relate to that main point, which probably helps them solidify or create a connection to whatever point you're making anyways, that you're able to give them, you know, the visual and kind of tell them through the the, the point in the story. So that's, that's, that's a huge takeaway. Totally. So that's something you would do regardless of left brain or right brain, it sounds like. So, I mean, is it just a matter then of, of as you, you think about designing out a pitch deck or, or resources for a pitch team is, um, you know, what, what are some of the other things that you do on the analytical side? One of the clients that we work with um, deals a lot with data science as well. Um, so they really like to think in like Excel spreadsheets and like graphs, but like not necessarily graphs that would be like, highly graphic or like infographics per se, but, you know, having a graph that has like an X axis and a Y axis, like makes a lot of sense to them. Um, in the same way that like, if I were to digest that kind of same information, then if I were to see it in that graph, it wouldn't make as much sense to me as if I were to see it in like a detailed, like infographic. So even though it's not the most, um, like eloquent approach to design, like when you think about it right away, the, clients that are more analytical would respond better to things that are like in lists or things that are like in basically if you were to think of it as like an Excel sheet or like a Google sheets type of presentation or like the really traditional types of graphs that like don't have like all the frills to it. Gotcha. So I'm almost thinking like if you're, you know, if you're, if you're at a high level, if you're pitching something that's more analytical, be okay with putting a little bit more of the, the data in there maybe even taking that data and turn that into an attractive looking infographic that has like a lot of detail. Whereas that, you know, the, the, the right or the creative, the Nike, you know, maybe it's, it's that perfect photograph that represents that main point that that data is ultimately making or the, the vision that you're kind of pitching or proposing with your solution. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that I see a lot is, um, Presentations for more analytical clients will try to jam in as much information on a slide as possible. And I got to say, stop doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Stop that. (laughs) It's okay to like break up different bits of, you know, different groups of information onto different slides. You know, it's, it's easier to get a PDF and see that it is it, you know, you open it up and it's like 50 slides or like a hundred slides. And you're like, Oh my God, that's so many slides. But if you're skating through it quickly and you're like, oh, it's it's not really like dense information. It's not really like a one slide or like many slides like packed with a lot of information, but it's something that you can like scroll through quickly. Mm. So what I mean, what else besides kind of this left brain, right brain thing do you take into consideration when you're when you're gauging the room? So 
Another thing that I think a lot of people overlook um, or maybe just don't even think of, um, and this might be like my Midwestern nature coming out, but thinking about one of the things that we do is like presentation day theatrics. Um, And it could be something like so small as just like something thoughtful for a client, but it could be something like so grand as like, you know, taking over an entire floor in your office and like recreating it into like a speakeasy or something. But it's, that's hardcore. Can, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hardcore. Or even like coordinating like helicopter pickup and drop off of your client. Like that's that's super hardcore, but it doesn't have to be hardcore for it to be effective. It could be something like so simple as like if you're sending over, you know, like a a 50-page proposal or like a 100-page like document of some sort and that you know is going to take a little bit of time for them to like go through like send a little like basket of snacks and be like, Hey, I know this proposal is really dense. And like, I know it's going to take some time to go through. So like, here are some snacks or, you know, maybe something simple as like a a gift card to like a nearby coffee shop or just like listen, really listening to them and figuring out, um, you know, like what are the specific things that they like? Um, So just thinking about things that are, ways that you can express like your gratitude for like getting the opportunity to like send a proposal or like getting the opportunity to pitch. Um, and I think that's something that goes a long ways that isn't super flashy. Those are amazing suggestions. Even just, I mean, the reality is we know that clients, well, a lot of clients don't sit down and read a lot of proposals. They flip to the pricing page. Maybe they scan. I mean, I'm sure as the business gets bigger and there's teams and there's, you know, whatever, but I mean, for our, for our audience, for most people that are pitching, you know, like four or five, maybe the starts of like some six figure kind of business. Uh, I mean, you know, they might be getting bids from five different providers, 10 different providers, 20, you know, and they're, and they're just looking at the proposal, flip into the price page and be like, well, they're, you know, they're expensive, they're cheap, they're mid, whatever. And just kind of making assumptions that everybody's providing the same thing. But the suggestion of even a gift card to a coffee shop is, is awesome to say, Hey, take a moment, you know, take a moment on me and go, you know, get your favorite beverage, kick back, relax, read through my proposal. Let me know if you have any questions. I mean, that's a great way to, regardless if they actually do it, maybe it's going to give them a little bit of a nudge to spend a little bit more time with your proposal that you're kind of taking that intent. Now, obviously if you pick me up in a helicopter, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to read your proposal. Charlie. <laughs> I would hope so. Uh, right. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe we just go sightseeing. I don't know. Um, but like, I mean, that's, you know, I think what's cool is that what you're, what you're really talking about here, I, I know you mentioned things like PowerPoint and keynote and making design more usable and useful for the people that you're working with. But I think there's something else here too, which is bringing the, you know, the branding and design process into the pitch portion of your, you know, into the proposal and and pitch portion of your, uh, of your business that it's not just, you know, it's selling is not just you know, proposals. I mean, it's an, it's, you're trying to get somebody to make a commitment, which requires an emotional response 
uh, there's tension, there's risk, there's no guarantee. I mean, there's no guarantee. I mean, most people buy for some, you know, a reason that they can't quantify it. Now we, we rationalize everything with, you know, oh, they were the best firm for this and this reason, right? But a lot of times it's this emotional reason that people buy. And I, I love what you're saying here with like the example of the speakeasy. I can only imagine if that had something to do with your pitch of what kind of emotional reaction or emotional response you'd get from that client between the surprise and the, the, the magic of the whole thing that that would have, that would probably play a huge role in whether you'd get the business or not. Totally. And a lot of the things that I see in, you know, proposals and like pitches and essentially like uh, PDFs or like PowerPoints that agencies will send over to clients. Um, it's also their first impression of like how, much attention to detail you pay to your projects and like your work. So if you send over, you know, like a word doc or something as your proposal, then they're, they're going to know like, okay, this is how they work. Like, does it align with how we work and like our process? But it's also when you apply your brand to a proposal or a presentation, it is your first chance to get that emotional response from them of saying like, Oh, you know, all these proposals of the same, the same, except for, you know, this agency that, I don't know, it just reminds me of like IBM in the 1980s, if they were cool, you know? So it's, it's a proposal is doing a lot of things other than just, um, you know, communicating like your process and your idea for a project and how much you cost. Hey, what's up agency owners? As someone that's built hundreds of websites for clients over the last 20 years, I know how important it is to have a content management system that is fast to set up and delivers my clients' websites with the speed the internet demands. If you're looking for a new CMS, I'd like to introduce you to a new platform called Zephyr, a content management system built for power users and agencies. Build websites faster, make clients happier. Find out more at ZephyrCMS.com and get one free site for life and a free theme set up valued at $500. That's ZephyrCMS.com. Now let's get back to our interview. And, and I, I want to just call attention to that you did do this with a client. Both of those examples were from real world clients, right? The speakeasy and the helicopter. Like that, that wasn't just like you riffing on <laughs> ideas here. Like those were real things that you guys did to create a better pitch experience. Yeah, those were real. <laughs> Real hardcore. Charlie's, Charlie's not just like making up stuff, right? This is this is like from you know. So, but, but I think it's cool to have that kind of spectrum from everything from a gift card to enjoy the proposal at a coffee shop, which I think anybody here can afford. Right. To you know, if you are going after the Nikes and the Googles, and we're talking about probably seven figure business, you know, maybe it's it's you know, how do we take it up a notch to really like take a swing at that kind of stuff? So, so what you mentioned the theatrics, right? But I mean, what about in the room? Like, do you do you do any uh when you've worked with these teams do you do, you know do you just give them the document like here you go congratulations you know here's here here go pitch this go win this or are you guys kind of working as a team through any other aspects of of uh of helping to improve the the pitch process um a bit, bit of both um so even though a lot of the times we will design the presentation and kind of walk them through and explain like why we made this design decision versus something else, um, there are also things that you can do inside of the room as well. Um, and this is a lot like if you have a like high-end bar, let's say, um, and you're trying to convey that this is a high-end bar, like our drinks are like 20-something dollars and like they're justifiably so 20-something dollars, then as a brand you'll notice that they'll start 
including and like leaving very subtle brand touch points. Um, so maybe it's something like their coasters are like letter pressed or they have like really nice um, bill presenters. And like, as you're interacting with this brand and like in this bar and having this experience, you start to realize like, oh yeah, of course, like why wouldn't this drink be 20 something dollars? The same thing goes for like presentations and like an agency's brand itself. So although the presentation is really like the meat of that kind of meeting, you know, there are other things that are inside the room. Um, if you're presenting in person or things that you're sending as part of your onboarding process of like, Oh, like how well designed like is this invoice? Like, is it just a PDF or like, is it actually like, a you know, a very nicely printed one mailed in like a beautiful envelope? They're the same information, but conveyed with two very different messages. Um, we do stuff, you know, maybe it's like an old school presentation and, you know, everybody has a, a spot in the table and they have like their name, uh, name cards, or maybe there's like a placemat and it says like everybody who is in the room, their name and their photo. So you're not like calling somebody by the wrong name. But yeah, there's, there's definitely lots of touch points depending on the agency and like their personality. Um, we try to get into their personality and convey that in the room as well. I mean, you know, what I'm hearing is kind of the, not just the pitch decks, but also how brand shows up for you in that whole client acquisition process from how you're marketing and first welcoming a client, how you're, you know, how you're pro pro proposing something or even going through some kind of discovery or kind of due diligence and, and research to you've won the client and now how are we bringing them on? I mean, I, I think it's easy to get kind of lost with some of the, you know, the shiny tools out there, whether it be the proposal generators, the invoice tools, you know, the things that do create efficiencies and do make things roll more smoothly. But, uh, you know, how, you know, does do those experiences line up with how you approach your brand is really, you know, something that it sounds like you, you, you work with people on and, and try to identify, Hey, are there, you know, where are all the points in which a client or a prospective client is interacting with you all the way down to, uh, I love the placemat with the name in the photo. <laughs> Cause we've all been in that meeting before where there's like, 12 people go around and introduce yourself and immediately like you're on person like three or four. And all of a sudden I'm having this sinking feeling of, Oh gosh, what was, Oh no, what was, Oh no. You know? And I mean, I even have the habit of like, you know, writing down like real, just kind of like scribbles, but just like, you know, writing people's names in the shape of the table or whatever. Uh, but you know, but this, that's so cool though. Cause like that, that's obviously something that I've done like learning from just being in a lot of rooms like that. Uh, but sometimes I forget. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh yeah, what was their name again? And, and you know, that's not a good place to be in if you're pitching business or, or whatever. So, so that's really cool. Totally. I'm definitely the same too. I have to hear somebody's name like three times before I can remember. I'm a faces. I'm totally great at remembering. But. <laughs> but but having that like so taking kind of an inventory of all of your touch points through the sales process. And even if you're an earlier stage agency, you're not flying clients around a helicopter, there's still probably a lot of things that you can do to align your brand and communicate your company and agency's values to your clients through those touch points. Those are all like little mini opportunities. Like what you've, I think today, Charlie, like you've really helped me open my eyes up to is that there's a lot of opportunities here to stand out and be different uh, without necessarily investing a huge amount of time. 
Totally. I'm glad I can help. This is, I geek out so hard on all of this stuff. Um, <laughs> it's such a, I, you know, I said at the beginning of the show, I was like, this is like a, it's a niche within a niche within a niche. I mean, it's not even, uh, you just don't hear very many people helping, you know, this market, the market that I serve uh, with, with this type of a take, right? You hear a lot of people doing like, oh, well, we're a, you know, a white label branding company or we're a white label SEO company or, you know, people that serve the agency market, in a, you know, we'll do work together kind of way, but, um, or in a consulting kind of coaching method like we do. Uh, but it's, I think it's rarer that you're bringing branding and design into their sales and marketing process as a way to help them differentiate and get more clients. And I think that's really cool. Real quick before we go into our, our lightning round though, I, I do want to talk about like benefits and results of this. What, you know, so you do this type of stuff, the theatrics, the deck, Etc. I mean, obviously, these things all cost money and they take a lot of time. What's the upside? I mean, is it that you win a slightly higher percentage of pitches? You win all of your pitches? I mean, what what kind of where where do people get the payoff from making this kind of investment? So a lot of these, I guess, if you think about pitching in like the old school format, you know, the process would be a brand would send out an RFP to a couple of different agencies, and it would essentially be like a March Madness bracket of agencies pitching against each other and then the brand ranking each agency's uh, presentation based off of certain criteria. And so a lot of the times, um, you know, we didn't win every single pitch, but we have probably won a majority of the pitches. But sometimes it's just like one little thing that like, if you're neck and neck with another agency, like just doing one extra little thing really like tips you over the scale I've heard a lot from clients, um, you know, I hear a lot about, you know, if it's the content is great for like each agency and like they're, you know, equal in terms of like points and like their grading rubric, rubric, a lot of the times, like just having a nice polished, like clean presentation will tip them over the scale and they win the the proposal, um, or the, you know, the pitch, whatever, whichever it is. Um, but so, it so just, kind of, it's not like this stuff is going to cover up a bad pitch or a bad solution or, you know, not doing proper discovery. I mean, you have to, it, it's kind of saying, look, at it, especially at the higher level, there's kind of table stakes for what kind of value, what kind of solution you need to offer a client. And this is the type of thing that would help you to get an edge when all things else are held equal. Totally. Yeah. Awesome. Dude, Charlie, this has been this has been fun, man. I think you, you've got some cool <laughs> ideas. You've got some uh, some real world experience doing this for some really major companies, and I appreciate you uh, sharing some of those tips and secrets with our listeners today. Are you ready for our lightning round? Totally, hit me with it. What is the best advice you've ever received? Oh God, <laughs> this really is a lightning round. Um, I would say, oh. Just go to New York City. Um, just you know, like either either do it or don't. I, I guess is kind of my motto is either do it all the way or just don't bother at all. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Mm, Google Calendar. I, I have no idea what's going on otherwise. Can you share an internet resource or tool or app you use that you think our listeners would find valuable? Yes, finding high quality images is really difficult. And I actually use unsplash.com quite a bit. And what book would you recommend and why? Uh, The one thing actually has been really helpful for me. 
Awesome. Well, we will link out to those tools, book recommendations, also lots of other key tips and takeaways from this episode at our show notes page, yougurus.com forward slash podcast. You'll see Charlie's episode right there at the top if you're listening to this week it's released. Charlie, how can our audience find out more about you? Is there anything that you have that they can check out? Totally. Um, I am so happy to help out. Um, If you want to see, you know, I'm more of a a learning by seeing. So if you want to see a couple of um, like rockstar winning pitches and proposal uh, samples with information redacted, of course, you can shoot me an email. Uh, It's just charlie at americano.design. And then if you'd like, we can schedule a chat for a little bit and uh, see where you're at with your presentation and proposal process. Very cool. Well, that's a that's a pretty sweet uh, sweet deal for our listeners. So, in terms of uh, a lot of the stuff that we talked about today, in terms of uh, those those pitch decks that you've created for uh, some of those agency clients, being able to take a peek at those. So, definitely follow up with Charlie on that one. We'll link out to his email address if you're on the road or on a run. His email again is Charlie at Americano Design. But uh, you can of course always check that stuff out at yougurus.com forward slash pod. Podcast, and we'll have all those goodies as well as that link and a little recap of what uh, Charlie's willing to share with our great audience today, as well as a link out to your website and social profiles if people want to connect with you and learn more about what you have going on, Charlie. So thanks again for stopping by the show. And uh, this has been this has been awesome, man. Yeah, likewise. Thanks for having me here. It's been great chat. That's it for this week's episode of the Digital Agency Show. Stay tuned each and every week for more great content coming at you to help you grow your your digital agency so you can achieve freedom in your business and life. Until next time, I'm Brent Weaver.